Hello, and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking to the chair of BMA Wales's GP committee, Dr Gareth Ullman. I spoke to Gareth at the end of June on the day BMA Wales launched its Save Our Surgeries campaign, which comes at what the BMA warns is a defining moment for the profession. The campaign sets out the worrying state of general practice in Wales at the moment and calls on the Welsh Government to put in place an urgent rescue package. So how can we save general practice? In this conversation, Gareth sets out the challenges facing general practice in Wales and explains why GP partnerships are worth saving and why the share of the NHS funding that goes to general practice needs to increase after well over a decade of decline. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Dr Gareth Ullman, who's a GP in Gwent in South Wales and chair of the BMA's GP committee in Wales. So he leads on negotiations about the GP contract in Wales for the BMA and also represents GPs in discussions with the government about general practice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Gareth. Thank you for having me. One of the main reasons you're here today is that BMA Wales has just launched a new campaign called Save Our Surgeries which calls on the Welsh Government to put in place an urgent rescue package for general practice. You know, As part of the campaign, you've put together a report about the state of general practice in Wales at the minute, and I was wondering if you could talk through some of the key findings from that report, which sets out the problems that GPs in Wales are facing. Thank you, Emma. As you say, a report, a campaign, uh, the launch of the campaign, Save Our Surgeries uh, from GPC Wales. And really, the key findings, everyone will be aware that the, the ongoing commentary related to general practice revolves very much around access to GP surgeries. But access is, is merely the symptom of the, of the real issue, which is the capacity to deliver the safe high quality services to our patients and we know that patients are frustrated by access GPs and our staff in general practice are equally frustrated at not being able to deliver those safe quality services that patients uh, deserve so the issues outlined in our save our surgery campaign are headlined by increased workload decreased workforce deteriorating staff well-being All of those factors uh, represent capacity and in the face of unrelenting demand and increasing complexity in general practice, the current inadequate capacity is the product and the result of chronic underfunding in general medical services. And we go some way in our report to highlight those issues and to call for solutions from Welsh Government. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to talk about some of the things that you're actually calling for in a minute. But obviously, the impact of all of these things you're talking about, rising workload, falling on less GPs, it's the vicious cycle of more GPs leaving the profession. I mean, there's quite a stark um, figure in there that the patients per GP have risen by 32% in Wales in the past 10 years from 1,675 per GP to 2,210 per GP. So that's a huge increase. And obviously, that brings with it massive workloads. But there's, there were some quite worrying findings findings in there about from the workforce in the survey which you undertook which suggests that you know many more GPs are now thinking about leaving the profession as well and some real concerns about patient safety as well. Absolutely the data in the report speaks for itself and you've highlighted some of those figures but the number of practices in Wales has decreased by 18% the number of full-time equivalent GPs reduced by 21%. Putting all that together, then, it, you know, as you, as you say, the number of patients looked after by each full-time equivalent GP risen by a third. That's the workforce and the workload 
we're quite fortunate in Wales. We do now have some robust activity data for GP practices and the, the workload volumes are astonishing and testament to the hard work that is going on, under-recognised one might say. If we remember, there are th- about 3.1 million people in Wales. In, in the year 22-23, our activity data shows that there were 27 million telephone contacts and surgeries, 19 million appointments offered, 15 million items on prescription. And you know, when we look at those figures, you know, that's that's almost a hundred surgeries that have closed in, in the last ten years and the questions what will the next ten years bring? Recent survey uh, that we've done by the BMA in Wales, eighty percent of the GPs surveyed said they felt unable to provide that timely, quality, safe care to patients. As a result of that, 26% of those GPs reported they intend to leave the profession soon. So we're not actually looking at 10 years, we're looking at the here and now. Only half of the partners uh, who answered the survey actually saw themselves in their current positions in three years' time. So doctors are choosing to work less than full-time, taking career breaks, retiring early as a way of coping with these rising demands. You know, we talk about well-being. It's, I think it's really important in the equation and we can't ignore that the healthiest suffering, many in our survey report, exhaustion, burnout. As a result, all of those three factors, the triple alliteration, as I like to call it, workforce, workload, well-being, is resulting in GPs handing back their contracts. Also, I think it's having a knock-on effect that GPs are also considering the other things that they do. You know, practices considering reducing their educational and training commitments to concentrate upon GMS. And we're in danger of entering a vicious downward spiral that negatively influencing the future workforce. It is all really quite worrying, isn't it? You talk there about GP partners handing back their contracts and then the, the contracts often, if they can't be re-tendered, are run by the local health board. And there's some really interesting data in your report about the cost of it. So basically health boards running practices, they cost significantly more to run than traditional GP partnerships. Is that because they just don't represent value for money or is it just because general practice is really underfunded? As you say, in our report, we provided some granularity to what it feels. Uh, and we've conducted some freedom of information requests to the health boards in Wales and got some really illuminating sort of figures back. And in the last five years, there have been 38 GP practices that have handed back their contracts and, and that have become managed. And significant variation across the health boards in the total of number of managed practices and then consequently the, the number of patients, service looked after by those practices and variation in the, in the costs Looking back at the last financial year, so 22-23, the average overspend per patient at managed practices was £53.38. That, in context of a Welsh global sum figure, in that same year of comparison, £111, that's approximately a third more than the global sum that's being spent on the managed practices per patient per year. The, the increased cost is largely due uh, to the, the cost of employing largely sessional workforce who will quite rightly, have set work plans and limits to their sessional workload. If you compare that to the current uh, open-ended time commitment, the independent contractor uh, contractor model, which has to be value for, seen as value for money when we look at these figures. And uh, you know, that settled independent contractor model 
can benefit patients in terms of continuity of care and the studies show better health outcomes. But we would also say that that overspend exemplifies the underfunding of the contract, of the GMS contract, and, and highlights the need for resource restoration into general medical services. And looking at those figures, I th- think that there's need for reflection from our health boards and the need for them and Welsh Government to recognise the value for money of the independent contractor. And they need to proactively support struggling practices before they collapse before they need to hand back their contracts, before they become become managed. And of course, to be proactively spent to support, it's got to be cheaper than the extra costs of managing the practices themselves. You mentioned there as well about underfunding for practices, obviously, you know, there's not enough money going into general practice, but also costs have risen hugely over the last year or so. And that's something you also mention in the report. What sort of steps are having practices in Wales having to take because of rising inflation and rising costs? Absolutely. The, the financial pressures upon practices are significant. The unavoidable practice expense pressures, the extraordinary impacts of inflation rates, high energy costs, pay scale pressures, including agenda for change comparisons, national living wage increases. Going back to our survey, three quarters of the respondents said the rising costs could affect the short-term financial stability of the practices. I think that we're not just looking at sustainability, we are looking at viability. Well, the figures speak for themselves. The numbers of practices handing back their contracts. This is the viability of the business, the independent contractors. So those practices are considering how they can stem those rising costs. You know, measures will include slowing, stopping recruitment, reducing staff hours. Obviously, has knock-on effects. It adversely impacts the workload, would create waiting lists, for non-urgent GMS care in primary care. Insufficient investment will continue to drive more practices to hand back their contracts. You know, immense disruption for local health economies in many ways. It's not going to do anything to help improve access either, which is what all the, the governments seem to be most focused on. Obviously, a lot of these problems that we're talking about here, they are common problems in all four of the UK countries. Is there anything you know particular to Wales? Are there any challenges specific in Wales that are sort of adding to the problems facing general practice? You're right, Emma. I don't think the problems that we've identified in our report are unique to Wales, and I'm sure that each of the devolved nations, GPCs, are drawing up similar reports with the graphs probably look the same. Specifically in in Wales, we have drawn attention to Welsh Government and um, the NHS pay uplift enhanced pay awards for 22-23 last year excluded general practice, GP contracted salary GPs, our practice employed staff. It doesn't make any sense when all of the estimations at 80 to 90 percent of patient contacts within the NHS uh, take place in, in general practice. And this inequity of offer is absolutely divisive, has been divisive amongst the medical profession. The decision widens the the pay differential between secondary care employed staff and GMS employed staff. You know, most practices don't offer agenda for change contracts for their staff. We do compete in the same small, limited staff pool as health boards. And this has just driven a 
more competitive employment market, GP surgery is being pushed towards matching that agenda for change pay, increasing the cost pressures on practices. General practice in Wales is historically gets lower funding than most of the other countries. Is that still the case? Yeah, back in 2004, 2005, in the UK, and a bit of a benchmark because that was the, the last new contract, the Blue Book. In the UK, the proportion of NHS budgets spent upon general practice was over 10%. Our analysis shows that in Wales, that proportion of NHS funding given to general practice was just over 8.7%, but has now fallen to... 6.1% of the budget in 2021. And of course, if we think back to 2004, 2005, there were ambitious plans for new services. Recruitment was, it was much better, much higher, excellent recruitment and retention. Training was oversubscribed. Morale was high. Sounds like halcyon days. But when we look at the figures, the comparison, the trends... I think we can all draw our own conclusions as to why we've got to where we are. Looking forward to trying to be a bit more positive. What exactly does BMA Wales want to happen now? What do you want the government to do to improve things? Our campaign, outlined in, uh, in, in our report, calls upon Welsh government to commit to funding general practice adequately, restoring the proportion of NHS budget spent directly into general practice, invest in the workforce to ensure safe, timely, high-quality services for patients, producing a workforce strategy that trains, recruits and retains GPs, more towards the the OECD average number of GPs per 1,000 people and probably means that in Wales we're 660 full-time equivalents short of that. Once we've got the staff... We've got to put measures in place to address the well-being, the morale, keep GPs in general practice. One of the things you talked there about just a little bit earlier is the, the dramatic fall in the percentage of the NHS budget that goes to general practice now. So you're talking about getting it back up to that 8.7% of the NHS budget sort of within the next three years with an aim to get to 11% of NHS funding in five years. What could general practice do with 11% of the NHS budget? Why is it in the government's interest to boost funding to that sorts of levels? We always say that if there's a shift in cost, there needs to be a commensurate shift in in resource that needs to follow it. And we are seeing services being moved, pathways moving the patient care from secondary to primary care. Well, we need to resource that. Resource doesn't always mean money. It can be moving the staff under our controls. Just some examples, a Welsh government agenda highly focused upon preventative care, obesity, diabetes. There's lots that could be done. It's bread and butter for general practice, preventative care. We're all trained uh, with, with that sort of prevention focus in mind. But we can't do that on top of everything else that is being done. We can't keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing um, and looking for efficiency savings and getting the same diminished workforce to do more for less. Moving that resource will enable a refocus on preventative agendas. There are so many different things that could be done if the resource, in its widest sense, is actually moved to follow that cost. Any workforce strategy, you know, you talked about that 
being very, very important. Retention, surely that must be the biggest thing that the government needs to do is retaining the GPs that we've already got. What steps do we need to see about to help keep more GPs in the profession? Is it just about reducing the workload or are there other things that could be done? It's all circular, all interrelated. If we are reducing the workload, we're creating a better environment for people to work in, you know, a, a job satisfaction. We all want to go to work. And yes, you know, there are bills to pay, wages to cover. But actually, you know, the majority of, uh, uh, of, of doctors and GPs would like to feel that there's value in what they do. And I think that job satisfaction, going to work and enjoying what you do, goes an awful long way to getting you out of bed in the morning. Creating an environment, there are lots of ways of, of doing that. I, I suspect that fundamentally the majority of them come down to resource. But once the staff are there, making sure that they, they are valued, feel valued, and that patients appreciate what we are doing in their best interests. You were talking earlier about the managed practices. And, and I do think that that really shows what value for money GP partnerships are. And it's a good lesson for all parts of the UK to learn. But in the report, you say that there is evidence that there's a lot of young GPs that would become partners were the conditions better. At the minute, there's this general feeling that nobody wants to be a partner. But what needs to be done is, again, just about the workload and the funding that needs to change. And then we'll suddenly start seeing the number of people wanting to be partners increase. Is that the key to that, do you think? Going back to the survey, and I would sort of alluded earlier on, back to 2004, you create the conditions of high morale, being trained, recruited, retained. There's lots of lessons to be learned from, um, from that. I think that younger GPs of a younger generation are probably slightly concerned about the future. You know, if we're talking about the, the collapse of general practice, the demise of general practice causing a collapse of the NHS, well, why would you want to take on a job that doesn't necessarily, you don't know what the future is going to be within three years? We really need to, we need to turn this around. Inaction isn't a, from, uh, from Welsh Government from, and from health boards, isn't an option uh, if we actually want that three-year, five-year, ten-year modelling. We have to look at the here and now. And if not now, when? All of this has come at a time when the BMA Wales has negotiated a new contract, you know, with the government and NHS Wales. You know, I know some of those contract changes are just aimed at formalising things that have kind of already been in place, but it does sort of expand what's considered core services in Wales. Why do you think it was important for the GP contract to change? And, and will these contract changes help practices in any way, do you think? The regulations underpinning the GMS contract hadn't been significantly updated since 2004, even though year on year we've negotiated changes uh, in the contract since. But general practice has changed since 2004. So it was entirely correct in 2000, and, well, probably 22 when we started doing these things, um, to, to sit down and jointly look at what needed to formally change what needed updating in the regulations and particularly coming out to the the height of the the, the pandemic when some elements of of the contract had been suspended you know certainly looking at how uh, things had changed so uh, they were in our unified contract as it's been called due to come into uh, effect in October of 23 of this year there are some changes uh, such as additional services becoming core but we actually know that that's not a major change because 
there were extremely small numbers of practices that actually opted out of those. So it's just a more a, a consolidation. And uh, some of the other changes, such as uh, diabetes, conditions management of chronic conditions has always been part and parcel of, of, of general practice. So I certainly see that that sort of change in the nomenclatures, shifting the envelope, changing the names, it's simplifying the, the, the regulations. But uh, crucially, what we were able to do uh, here, removal of clinical cough, consolidating of the the associated funding streams alongside that the one of the uh, main aims was to lessen bureaucracy allow gps to do what gps are trained to do and provide clinical care to treat patients so with the funding behind the quaff or quaff as it became in wales it had been mainstreamed reducing some of the box ticking although that clinical care remains within the contract. It still needs to be assured. We still need to be shown to be delivering it. Uh, but certainly simplification, consolidation of funding, reducing the bureaucracy. You said at the time the contract was being negotiated that this new contract wouldn't necessarily, well, wouldn't really solve some of these deeper issues that we've been talking about today around workload and workforce. One thing that is a positive is this contract's clearly been a collaborative effort between you and the government and, and the NHS, which sort of suggests that there's perhaps a slightly better relationship between the BMA and the government in Wales than in some of the other UK countries, you know, such as England, where we've seen a contract imposed this year. How hopeful are you, given that you have this relationship with the Welsh government, how hopeful are you that they're going to listen to the concerns you're raising as part of this campaign and actually do something about it? It's fair to say that we do have a positive working relationship with Welsh Government and NHS Wales. But what we're trying to do today with our campaign uh, is to raise awareness of the systematic issues facing the general practice and ultimately the, the wider NHS. It's time that the politicians have honest discussions with the public in Wales as to what the what the NHS can reasonably be expected to deliver uh, via the GMS contract. And uh, we do know that from our ongoing conversations that Welsh Government do appreciate the issues facing general practice and maybe uh, is it entirely the same in, the, in, uh, in all of the devolved nations. Now is the time to be transparent about what can be afforded within what is a devolved matter in Wales. And I suppose that's fundamentally important that that we have health is one of the devolved uh, issues. And so it is in the hands of of Welsh Government to deliver change. And as we said, we've outlined that some of that issue is reversal of the funding trends and that will unlock many of the uh, sort of avenues which we can improve the delivery of, of, of services so the real change in the areas that I've outlined uh, outlined with you today and hopefully within the, the campaign is there to unlock those changes and we're always open to dialogue with Welsh Government to ensure that this happens. It's a launch for a campaign. It's an ongoing campaign. The information that's been made available, the issues, the calls to action to Welsh Government, these aren't new, but these aren't going to stop today. They are going to be things that need to be worked on and will form the basis of our negotiating stance this year and for the years to come. OK, well, thank you very much, Gareth. OK, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening and thanks so much to Dr Gareth Ullman for taking the time to speak with me. I'm back next week when Nick and I will be discussing some of the key news stories affecting primary care, so do join me then. 
In the meantime, you can keep up to date with all the latest news and access a host of other resources on our website at gponline.com. 